0: The best and brightest physicians choose to work at Boston
1: Medical Center. And now it's time to hear what they're saying. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Sport-related concussion is a hot topic in the media and in medicine. It's a common injury that's likely underreported by pediatric and adolescent athletes. You may think that concussions only happen to football players, but that's not the case. Concussions can happen for all sorts of reasons, including a bike crash, a fall on the playground, or yes, while playing sports. My guest today is Dr. Elsie Torres. He's the director of the Concussion Clinic for Children and assistant professor of pediatrics and neurology at Boston University School of Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Torres. So what exactly is a concussion? A concussion
0: is a type of mild traumatic brain injury, that has gained significant attention over the past 10 years with a better understanding of the reach of its functional effects. The CDC defines a concussion as a complex pathophysiologic process affecting the brain induced by traumatic biomechanical forces secondary to direct or indirect forces to the head. The duration of these symptoms can vary widely from minutes to months and even longer in a small number of cases.
1: So what do we know about the symptoms of concussion, Dr. Torres, and who would be the person? Would it be the coach? Would it be the buddy system, other players on the field, or the the athlete themselves who, as I said in my intro, might be hesitant to report some of the symptoms because they don't want to be removed from play? Who would be the person to notice some of the symptoms?
0: So you are absolutely right when you say that, um, first of all, it is difficult to diagnose. When you look at the games, you realize that even the slow motion has difficulties in finding at the moment of the impact of the injury, and it is only on several repetitions that you can identify this. So it will be extremely unfair to put all the burden into the parents, the coaches, or the, the people that are watching an activity or a game. I do think with the understanding or recognition that it is difficult to diagnose is the first step. This is so true that in the states like Massachusetts, for example, where I practice medicine, the law establishes that if somebody suspects, so that means the coach or a parent, that usually that's what it happens in youth sports, suspects that there has been a concussion, the player needs to be pulled out immediately out. And it's just that it is very difficult sometimes to realize the moment in which these occur. There is some uh, uh, established parameters or guidelines for every individual. So most towns now are developing uh, policies that um, describe the behaviors or the uh, attitudes that the coaches need to take or the steps that the coaches need to take at the moment that they suspect the concussion, but also could be the parents that need to be informed. They also need to be educated in when to take the child to the emergency room, and there will be evaluations at the pediatrician or in a pediatric neurology or sports uh, concussion clinic specialized.
1: So I I was wondering, is this considered an emergent condition? If the parents notice problems walking or balance issues or irritability, you know, we used to as parents look at the eyes to see if there was any kind of imbalance in there. But nowadays we have other ways to identify it, but do we rush them to the emergency room? What's a parent to do? So uh,
0: not always is necessary. As a matter of fact, the majority of cases is not necessary to go to the emergency room. But certainly when there is uh, an ominous sign, a red flag that we call, uh, in which um, uh, that the patient is uh, manifesting such as severe headache, uh, vomiting, difficulties with speech or gait, or alteration of mental status or any worsening of these symptoms, then the patient needs to be taken immediately to the emergency room. In addition, if there has been a suspicion that there has been a neck injury, the neck needs to be pre- stabilized before the transfer. It has been taking place, and in, in that case, uh, better by emergency services. And so it is what is happening now is that more, more sports organizations and educating parents and coaches, what will be those symptoms. And the policies in um, several states in the union now require that the patient be seen by a concussion specialist before they can return to the game if they were suspected to have a concussion.
1: So when in doubt, sit it out certainly seems to be, you know, the mantra that everybody uses. But now we also hear about some pre-concussion screening that's available for student athletes. Tell us about the impact test and who should be receiving this.
0: So uh, the majority of these evaluations are only helpful if you can compare to a baseline because uh, they require certain intellectual functions. uh, And therefore, it is important if these uh, patients or athletes have a baseline evaluations, These are of two types. They could be a set of uh, neurological tasks and equilibrium uh, that is included on the what we call now SCAT-5, which is the sports concussion assessment tool in the latest version, number five, after the last meeting in Berlin. And also sometimes it, it requires... Um, a computerized neurocognitive assessment there are several uh, ways or means to do that one of the most common brands that have uh, spread it in the United States is called impact testing and if you have a baseline and when the patient suffers an injury then you can repeat these tests and compare and so there is always um, the physician needs to use clinical judgment to make um, a diagnosis and decide who uh, to treat
1: And as far as the parents, again, Dr. Torres, what do we do if our children do have a concussion? We keep them home from school? Do we keep them away from electronics? Do we help them with headaches, with NSAIDs? Or do we not really do some of those things? What do you recommend as treatment?
0: So at at the moment, in different moments, different treatments. And when this occurs in a game, the decision has to be made whether he needs to go to the ER or not. Let's say that he does not have all the red flags that we just talked. And so the next step will be for you to contact your pediatrician and have him seen at its office. If uh, the athlete has symptoms, then uh, he will be diagnosed with a concussion. And then it is important to have uh, some type of physical rest at the very beginning. This is only for a short period of time. And as soon as the patient is able to tolerate exercise, then this should be allowed. And this is something that has changed over the past few years because there is evidence that if you uh, send the patient to exercise at the right time and to increase according to this tolerance, then the recovery will be faster than if you keep them uh, sitting all along. Not to say that uh, the patients or the young adolescent children that need to be sitting for a long time will become de- depressed because you're uh, separating them for their social networks completely. And that obviously any person will be sad, anxious, or depressed even more if you are an adolescent. Now, when you have uh, several symptoms, depending on the severity, then uh, besides risk, then definitely uh, there are uh, medications that we can use to treat in particularly sleep, which we have noticed that if we don't correct the sleep, then it will be very difficult to fix any other symptom. Uh, sometimes we use medications for headaches. Uh, because they could be um, interfering with the life of the patient. And uh, sometimes uh, we do have, apart from medications, we have rehabilitation uh, processes, and these should not be uh, overlooked uh, by physicians. Uh, uh, If you establish a physical therapy from the very beginning, this might help you with coordination, with conditioning. This also might help you with dizziness and the vestibular system, in our clinic, we also have psychologists available because we have noticed that there is a significant comorbidity with mood symptoms, and sometimes uh, patients have already uh, preconditions that require an aggressive interventions if, if they are uh, allowed to recover quickly. And then so after this initial uh, brief rest, we, we want them to go back to school, and we, will, we want them to go back to exercise, not to contact sports uh, if they are symptomatic, and not to full schedules. And we try to prescribe a titrated schedule for all of these activities and have good communication with the school, the parents, and educate the athlete to be successful. The good um, message is is that the majority of the patients are athletes. They're recovering in 90% of the cases in three weeks. So there is a message of optimism. And there is only uh, less than 10% of the patients that will develop uh, chronic symptoms, and those uh, uh, um, present with uh, different challenges.
1: And that's great information about returning to play because that's definitely something parents wonder. And before we finish up, Doctor Torres, is there a way to prevent concussions? And are we not really are we too are we too trusting? Of the equipment. We think, oh, this isn't going to happen because they have these great helmets and and things like that. But do they protect our children from concussion? Or is there anything else we can do?
0: So uh, the helmets do not uh, prevent a concussion. As a matter of fact, they might give you the false impression that they do, and the science have shown significant evidence that uh, that uh, that the injuries might be even higher on this group. Especially in football, it is easier to grab the mask of the helmet, and that produce more rotation than if you uh, were not wearing a helmet. But they do prevent uh, external injuries, so the chances to have a fracture or a hematoma then are less. Obviously, if you are wearing the helmet. Uh, in terms of prevention, um, obviously, and uh, an extreme case will be you don't take any. Risk uh, injury uh, activities, but however, that is impossible. And so uh, there are certain some efforts in uh, sports organizations and to develop some laws that will protect uh, children that are vulnerable or more vulnerable than others. For example, um, there is a big push in the United States to avoid tackle football below age 12. Uh, soccer organizations have changed the rules and they do not allow heading below age 12 because most of the systems, neurological systems, are very immature prior to that. And it is they believe that if the systems are immature, they are more prone to, um, to damage. I would like to add, however, that when it comes to when the patient becomes asymptomatic and you decide that they are ready to start um, the process of returning to play, this should be gradual. It should never be like if I'm sitting uh, directly to a a final game, an important game. It is a process in which you test whether the athlete is developing symptoms as time goes by. And only if they tolerate it, then you continue to uh, throughout the process. And... um, I would say that if you do that, then there is a big chance to be successful. However, in patients that have risk factors like ADHD, migraines, a mood disorder, or ADHD, uh, or a psychiatric illness, then we have noticed that uh, the process might take longer to recover and more interventions.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Torres, for being with us today. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.